Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Tim Dalton, who is Director of Professional Services at Blue Jay Solutions. And today we're going to talk about current trends in the transportation market and how to respond. Now, one of my favorite bands is Oingo Boingo, and one of their song lyrics is, we close our eyes and the world has turned around again. And those words certainly apply to the transportation market, and especially, you know, this year in terms of what we saw at the beginning of the year, in the height of the pandemic, and now what we're seeing you know, uh, today. So what is the current state of the transportation market? Um, how might it change in the weeks and months ahead? And what actions should shippers take to respond and prepare effectively to whatever direction the market takes uh, it, it moving forward here? So that, that's gonna be the main questions we're gonna address in today's program. And it's always great to have Tim on the program to kind of share his insights and perspective on this topic. So Tim, Welcome back. Yeah, no, great for having, or thanks for having me back again. I appreciate uh, the time and look forward to the session. Great. So, um, you know, obviously the pandemic has, uh, you know, been an, an, something that thrown a curveball to all of business, all businesses, and, and especially on the transportation side of things. But pandemic or not, you know, the transportation market is always in constant change. So, in, in many ways, you know, uh, transportation professionals, this is not new to them in terms of having to you know, have to deal with ebbs and flow in, in the market. Um, so certainly there's been a lot of change, you know, throughout the year. Um, you obviously have a, a strong pulse on the market with the clients you work with and the carriers you work with. What's the current state of the transportation market right now as we speak, and, and particularly with, with regards to capacity and rates? Yeah, no, I, uh, I think you're correct. I mean, I think, uh, you know, as you alluded to, the, the market itself is always cyclical. Uh, so a lot of the same conversations we're going to have today, we'll be able to have again in a couple of years, and we probably already had one once before. Um, I think from a market standpoint right now, it's uh, it's tight. You know, capacity has tightened up. You know, rates have been on the rise. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, beginning of the year, uh, you know, I think people were going into it thinking the worst. Um, but then it, it, it stayed relatively soft, you know, for, for many, many months. And then it almost seemed like out of nowhere, you know, it really started to tighten up. So I think that... Uh, you know, the, the reasons as to why, you know, it really started to tighten up, I, it, you know, they're kind of all over the place. Um, you know, for a, for a while there, there was, start, there was some more thought around uh, some of the unemployment benefits and, you know, not being able to get drivers, uh, you know, for a short period of time. You know, you were starting to hear more about hurricanes or potential hurricanes, which have, you know, died down somewhat. And then especially with the pandemic related issues, uh, you know, that we've seen you know, a lot of it is always, uh, and it has been, you know, available driver and a driver. So whether again, it's the unemployment benefits or other, you know, I think that, uh, you know, for a lot of us during this pandemic, uh, myself included, uh, you know, we've, uh, I'm probably buying more online than I have ever bought before. So you start to see, and I think I read before where, you know, that the industry lost, you know, 70,000 plus OTR drivers, you know, since the beginning of this, but then over on the, you know, the, the smaller e-commerce parcel type deliveries, you know, those drivers have increased and almost have shifted that way. So I think we've seen an increase, uh, you know, a change there. I think there's been other disrupted freight flows or early on where there being such a depleted inventory, you know, now we're kind of in the replenishment stage of it. So we're continuing to replenish, which is obviously creating more capacities. Um, you know, I've even heard from, I think, two different carriers that from what they're hearing from their shippers is that, 
you know, there's also, uh, you know, some impacts uh, based on the election. So we're in election year right now. And, you know, depending if there's a change in the White House, there's been some uh, uh, discussion around, you know, COVID. And if the numbers continue to increase, then there might be a, a future shutdown again. So there's a lot of, you know, customers that are starting to look to potentially, you know, start to put their product closer to the consumer just the event that, uh, in, in the event that there was a shutdown. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of different factors that we've seen or that we've heard of uh, that's impacting the market. Again, it is pretty tight right now. You know, and I think from a, a contract to spot standpoint, especially when we start to look at rates, you know, I was looking at some reporting this morning and, uh, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, spot markets. So, we have an index at Blue Jay that we use uh, based on all the uh, transportation that flows through our, our system and our network. And we're seeing that year over year rates are up about 46% year over year, you know, when comparing spot market rates to our blue decks rate or our index rate. And, you know, there's some other, uh, you know, spot market usage as a whole is up, uh, you know, about 4% as of this past month, uh, year over year, you know, variance to routing guides. So, you know, you know, going from your primary care, going down the routing guide, ultimately potentially going to the spot market in that area, we're seeing anywhere from six, seven plus percent increases year over year as well. And tender acceptance has definitely started to dip as well. So, you know, Definitely a, a pandemic or not, I think is how you started it. Uh, we've seen a lot of change. We've heard a lot of reason as to why there's the change, but all in all, you know, the market's definitely tight. And I think a lot of folks are seeing it uh, uh, as it relates to just truckload capacity as well as the rate increases that they're seeing. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, everything that you, you know, mentioned are things that I've been hearing from folks as well. I mean, I think there was uh, just last week in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article talking about kind of the, uh, the the number of imports coming in through the West Coast ports and how, same thing, you know, a lot of folks thought this was going to be, you know, a disastrous year and all of a sudden now, you know, huge volumes, you know, coming in, but that's creating some constraints because, uh, you know, a lot of backlogs now through the imports. And I think you're right. I think a lot of companies are now replenishing some of the inventory that they, they drew down. Uh, some of them are bringing in more product as a risk uh, stamp from a risk standpoint, yep. not, not knowing if, you know what what may lay lay ahead in the lie ahead in the months ahead if there's another shutdown or not or um, if there's continued economic growth or whatever the case might be uh, so I think you know a lot of volatility uncertainty you know still still in the market I mean do, do you um, you know do you foresee these trends continuing in, in the weeks ahead and you know what what factors should will influence the direction you know that rates and capacity will go you think I definitely see them in, uh, continuing on in the weeks ahead. Um, you know, I, I think from a, a month or year standpoint, uh, depending on who you talk to, depending on the publications that you read, it varies as far as, you know, what folks are anticipating. And I, I, I think from what I've heard recently or what I've read or heard most often is, uh, you know, people are expecting the tightness to at least last the rest of the year. You know, they start talking about three to six months. Some folks are talking summer 2021. Um, but my guess is that it's going to be at a minimum, you know, the rest of this calendar year. Because even if things start to uh, loosen a, a little bit again, well, then you're rolling into the holidays. And uh, so I would anticipate that at a minimum, uh, we're going to see this tightness, at least for the rest of the year. Uh, but again, depending on who you talk to, depending on what you read, it could be anywhere from three months, six months, a year from now. Uh, but uh, again, the majority of the things that I've read or heard from, it's probably at least the rest of the calendar year. 
Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a general consensus too. Yeah, and again, I mean, sorry to go back to, you know, some of the influences, you know, I mean, it's going to continue to be around COVID-19, you know, is there going to be that shutdown again that we've heard of before? Uh, you know, the the trend, you know, the increase in online shopping, you know, it's already be- continued to grow, you know, over the years. And then, you know, when people were at home, it just increased that much more, um, which has then taken some drivers from the OTR market. So, you know, does that going to, is that going to continue uh, to be at the level that it's at? Is it going to slow down a little bit? Have the last few months really kind of set the stage as far as what we can expect moving forward from that increased online presence? Um, And then again, it's always going to go political. You know, I think also, you know, there's been some discretionary, uh, you know, spending that folks have had, whether it's been with different stimuluses or what have you, uh, or some of the unemployment benefits. So I think that's starting to kind of tailor off a little bit. And then, you know, you continue to hear, you know, talk about whether, you know, are we headed towards recession? So, you know, all of these different trends, you know, are going to have a big impact of it. So, you know, we, you know, we talked at the very beginning of this call, you talked about how, you know, uh, the one thing that's, uh, you know, that we always have in transportation has changed. Um, it's no different now, but right now it seems like we're hit, getting hit left and right with potentials, you know, as far as, how, you know, how the impacts could be. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's just a lot more variables and a lot of, and a lot of, uh, dy- you know, dynamic uh, nature to all these variables that, you know, I think it's, it makes, makes it much more complex. So, you know, in light of all these variables, in light of all these unknowns uh, and, and so forth, I mean, how are, you know, smart shippers responding, you know, to these conditions? I mean, what, what actions are they taking? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, from a shipper standpoint, you know, if, uh, you know, if uh, what I've heard and it's what we've seen a lot of folks doing, if you want to look at it in some of its simplest form, it's, uh, you know, how can we find ways to need fewer trucks? So, you know, what is the likelihood of, uh, you know, increasing the likelihood of carriers taking their loads? So whether it's spreading out volumes, you know, improving lead times, better utilization, et cetera. So, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that the shippers can truly uh, control is what types of flexibility that can they offer to the carriers? Because maybe it's better to wait on a primary carrier to pick a load up, you know, three days from now, you know, versus having to pay, uh, uh, you know, a very high rate to move it today. So I know I think from a sharper, uh, from a shipper standpoint, you know, we're seeing more of uh, organizations really kind of getting those stakeholders in there, whether it's customer service reps, you know, whether it's trans folks, you know, whoever it may be, just to see, you know, how can they become more flexible? So, you know, if, uh, if they can get a better rate, but need to rate, wait two days, they can potentially do so, or at least how to uh, prioritize some of their shipments. Um, you know, right now we're seeing some targeted bids taken on. Uh, there's folks that have already gone to market and maybe went to market not that long ago, uh, but they're doing more targeted bids. So I think they're looking at it right now is, you know, really trying to understand, you know, is, you know, are there certain regions or certain lanes that are, you know, frequently hitting the spot market? And rather than continuing to put those out on the spot market, how can we take some of these lanes reach out to core carriers. And even if it's a higher rate than we've been paying, you know, how can we look to move forward with a higher negotiated rate, uh, which is still better than uh, the uncertainty of hitting the spot markets. Um, So a lot of folks are are doing that. I think a lot of folks as, you know, as a result too, you know, whether it's a bid or not, or just reaching out to the core carriers, you know, how can they uh, work with their primary carriers to to negotiate short-term rates? Uh, A lot of folks don't, you know, the question you asked before is how long is this going to last? Well, right now nobody knows. So, you know, rather than locking in for too long, how can we go and negotiate a, you know, a, 
10% short-term increase to increase our tender acceptance, um, you, you know, just to kind of get us through the next couple months and, you know, it, and, and not necessarily try to look at it as, uh, you know, um, an increase, but one of the problems I think folks get into right now is they start looking at it uh, from an emotional state where they look at the carriers, they look at their partners and they're starting to see all these increases come back and you know, you can't help but there to be that level of frustration, but how can you put some of that emotion off to the side, work with your core partners and if anything, you know, at least try to, to listen to them, work with them and maybe negotiate something in the short term uh, to ensure that they're protected. Uh, Carrot shippers that, uh, you know, maybe, um, you know, they've got a lot of swings as it relates to their, uh, their shipping patterns. You know, if, uh, if a carrier has been awarded 100 loads a year, but then they've seen 100 loads a month, the first month, you know, how can we look at that and work with a carrier to say, all right, hey, you're going you're gonna to haul your, at your contracted rate uh, until you, um, you know, you kind of fulfill your equipment, but maybe we can look at putting some sort of a surge increase for any loads above what you were awarded originally. Uh, I think from a digital broker standpoint, you know, there's, there's continues to be more conversation around digital brokers. Um, you know, uh, so whether it's having APIs with your system set up to these brokers, so you can kind of, you know, quickly dial rates in, you know, I think there's been more conversation about that to really look at that, to understand that. Um, you know, uh, mode conver conversion, you know, where I talked before about tender acceptance numbers and where, where those are at, you know, putting stuff on the rail, we haven't seen the same type of impact with moving things intermodal. So is there an opportunity to, from a mode standpoint, to, to convert over to, to do more intermodal, you know, uh, if your business uh, allows it uh, versus more over, uh, you know, uh, moving, you know, over the road. So, you know, and I think it's really just trying to look at all your spending, look at your, look at the, what you're doing on the spot market take the emotion out of it and really just try to look at, you know, where, what are the lanes that you can really focus on that are going to offer the most benefit, you know, really kind of dig into those lanes, work with your partners, work internally to try to those, find those, uh, those short-term solutions. So, you know, it's across the board right now. I've even seen people doing daily RFPs just to kind of get, uh, you know, based on their available lows, just to get it out to a big group of carriers uh, just to get pricing that way. So it's uh, it's really kind of across the board right now, but I think the, you know, those shippers, the smart shippers, as you said, it's just, I think it's taking the emotion out of it, you know, looking at the data and having the data help you to determine where you should be hunting uh, to find the greatest opportunity and just try to tackle as many of those opportunities as you can. You know, that last point you made, um, you know, you know, being kind of data driven, right? Kind of taking the emotion out of it. Um, you know, it sounds like obviously there's a lot of potential tools in that toolbox that, that shippers can take um you, you know to you know address some of these you know near term and perhaps longer term you, you know challenges i mean I, I think you also talked a lot about you know the importance which we've always talked about the importance of you know honest transparent communication collaboration with with your carriers particularly those that are your strategic you know partners and um again you always get into that pendulum swinging back and forth you know, is it a shipper's market is it a carrier's market you know is it a shipper's market or a carrier's market and, you know, reality, it should be, it's our market, right? How do we, how do we both continue to find opportunities to make it a win-win for both of us? And we know that at times, you know, it's going to require us to pay higher um, uh, rates, but it's going to uh, give us some capacity assurance. And at other times, you know, we're going to be, you know, able to get some, um, you know, price reductions or cost reductions, you know, and, and so forth. But I think, you know, that's something that, you know, walking the talk on communication and collaboration 
I think it's, it's more critical, you know, than ever. And I think this is where, you know, why there's so much investment in business intelligence and analytics, uh, machine learning and so forth, because it's, it's these types of tools that are going to help, uh, you know, shippers and everyone in the, in the ecosystem, you know, make, um, uh, be able to find those opportunities that perhaps aren't, uh, uh, they haven't explored in, in the past. Um, you, you know, so, and you touched upon this a little bit, because I mean, I think we're, we're entering kind of the, the fourth quarter here. Um, I think historically, a lot of shippers, whether it's in the fourth quarter or first quarter of the year, they, you know, they, that's typically when they've put the freight out to bid, if you will, or do some, you know, uh, freight procurement. I've kind of seen a move, I wouldn't say a move away from that, but certainly, you know, the recognition that, you know, once a year procurement engagement is no longer enough, or it's not, not, not a, you know, it's, it's not going to be um, uh, going to lead to success, you, you know, m- moving forward. Um, so you mentioned some, some procurement strategies. There. I mean, do you expect shippers and, and even carriers to change their approach to procurement moving forward? Uh, yes, yeah, somewhat. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, and I think one of the things just to kind of add one more thing to the last uh, topic that we were talking about is, you know, it's a, transportation, it seems like it's still one of those last areas that's really relationship driven. So the more that we can communicate and talk to our partners and try to find, you know, that win-win solution and, you know, you granted, you said shippers market, carriers market, it's our market and really trying to get to that point, you know, that's how a shipper and the smart shippers can really, um, you know, find a way to benefit themselves because, you know, the more that everybody's putting their freight out in a spot market, you're not trying to solve the bigger issue or, you know, you know, solve certain lanes, everybody's competing amongst themselves. So, you know, for every one truck that's out there, you got X number of loads for that truck. So then, you know, the, the more that we, we try to, you know, solve the problems with kind of on a spot type basis, you know, I think that's where you're really not going to get any relief from a, a costing standpoint. You know, I think from a procurement standpoint, uh, I'm still a true believer uh, that, you know, if you go to market once a year, continue to go to market once a year. You know, the one that one of the biggest things that a shipper can be is consistent to their partners. If you get down the path where you're starting to go out every month or, you know, you know, every three months or what have you, you know, a carrier is going to know you're just fishing. And from a loyalty standpoint and from a partnership standpoint, they're not probably going to put too much stock into it. And, you know, then you, but then you also then have the potential of really disrupting carrier networks. If a carrier, you know, if they're expecting to, you know, go from A to B, three times a week, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden they lose that lane, you know, then that has a ripple down effect that really can cause some other issues. So I continue to be a a true believer in loyalty, uh, um, consistency with the partners, you know, does that mean it's going to be exactly as it, as it, as it has in the past? Probably not. Uh, you know, I think that some of the things that, uh, you know, some areas where we may see, uh, where the procurement process may change is, um, you know, maybe you don't go out every year with your entire network. You know, maybe there's more work done ahead of time to really work with, find out those lanes where you've got high tender acceptance, where it's obvious that the lane is important to the carrier. Maybe you work with those carriers early on just to kind of negotiate ahead of time to keep that carrier on the lane. Protect their network, protect your customers because the carriers are already familiar with the nuances of that lane. Um, and, and almost do some pre-negotiating on those lanes. So I don't know if it's going to be every lane, but you know, I, I think there's going to be some more opportunities for targeted, some more work to be done ahead of time to remove lanes from the network. Um, you know, it's, but as we've gone back and, you know, as long as we continue to have, 
the our market, your market, instead of our market, you know, the next time it changes and it's going to be a shipper market, what shippers have experienced the last few months and what they're continuing to experience, they're going to go out to market and they're going to do everything they can to try to bring their rates down to recoup some of that money. And I don't think that means that they're going to completely change their networks or they're going to, you know, completely flip the script on their philosophies as it relates to asset brokerage mixes, et cetera. But I think there's going to be um, bidding that's going to take place because that's what folks do. And that's typically one of the tools in the toolbox where, you know, they can recoup some of that. So, you know, what I've seen over the last several years, which I've been pleased with, is I, I have continued to see that shift from a loyalty standpoint where, you know, on every RFP that we do for folks, you know, every shipper leaves money on the table because in most cases, it's more important for them to keep incumbents in place on lanes than it was maybe 10 years ago. Uh, so, you know, again, from your procurement standpoint, long-winded way of, uh, you know, answering your question, you know, but I think we're going to see some change. Um, but it is still a relationship driven uh, market and relationship between a shipper and a carrier. Uh, I think the biggest changes that we're going to see though is uh, the lanes that aren't included and kind of doing a lot more pre-work uh, to eliminate those lanes. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a great point. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think when you, when you say, um, you know, shippers leaving money on the table, yes, they're leaving money on the table from a purely a, a transportation standpoint as yeah. part of the procurement bid, because they understand that, you know, these carriers are reliable, they're trustworthy, they meet the service expectations because the flip side is, you know, they've got to meet the requirements of, let's say, like a Walmart that's right now tightening their on-time info requirements, Absolutely. right? So if they, if they went with inexperienced carriers or carriers that are just, you know, the cheapest ones, you know, they may be saving on the transportation, but, you know, they're going to pay for it big time. Uh, you know, from a customer experience standpoint, from a penalty standpoint, and so forth at, at the back end. And uh, ultimately, from a net perspective, they're going to lose more than just, a, you know, a, a few, uh, you know, cents per mile, you know, uh, from a transportation standpoint. No, and you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, in what we do, you know, it's uh, that, that carrier, that driver, there's no one more important you know, in that experience than that carrier or that driver. And for a lot of shippers, you know, their carriers know their business better than they do. You know, they know the nuance. They have the relationships with the folks at the dock. You know, even if they're running late, they can kind of call in their own favor and correct a lot of the different issues or mishaps themselves. So yeah, to have that carrier in place for a long time and really working with those carriers uh, to protect your customers, it's worth its weight in gold. And, and again, you're, you're absolutely right that when I mentioned money on the table, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I was, that was only related to you know, what is this carer's rate versus this other carer's rate? But there's, uh, there's all sorts of other expenses that can be incurred as a result of not having the right carrier on the right lane. So you're hundred percent right. right. Yeah. And I mean, we, we've done some research uh, in partnership with, with, uh, you know, Blue Jay as well as CSCMP over the past three years on, on customer experience and innovation. And, you know, for three years straight now, I, you know, the, the companies that responded to, to our survey have said that absolutely, you know, competing on customer experience is becoming the number one, you know, uh, differentiator. And certainly transportation is a key uh, uh, enabler of being able to deliver an enhanced customer experience. And on the flip side, if it's a poor transportation operation, 
you know, you're going to, you know, uh, degrade, you know, the customer experience and, and your competitive, uh, uh, you know, any competitive advantage that you might have there. Um, so, so what tools or capabilities can, can shippers use to help them navigate through this, through this environment? Uh, market data. I mean, just data in general. And, you know, I'm going to always go back to data. Data is key. Data is king. Uh, it, it allows you to take the emotion out of what you're seeing. So from a tool standpoint, you know, obviously I work for Blue Jay Solutions. So, you know, we've got tools that we offer as it relates to reporting or TMS or procurement solutions, et cetera. So it's really making sure you've got a good partner that you trust, um, but then are also just trying to be a student of the market as a whole really understand what's going on in the marketplace and, you know, communicate, you know, what's going on in the marketplace ahead of time. Nobody want, wants like surprises. So to think everything is, you know, going great. And then all of a sudden the floor drops out, you know, chances are there was a little bit of an indication that it was coming. So the more that you can understand data, um, you know, cause the data is going to allow you to really understand where you should be focusing your attention, uh, your attention to, really understand what the market looks like. Are you doing better or worse? Um, you know, work on your core carriers and continue to build and invest the time in the relationships with your carriers. You and I've talked before and we've talked about, you know, when people, I don't even know when they say ship right choice. Well, a lot of times they start talking about that when the market's really, really tight. So, you know, again, you and I've talked before, how can you continue to treat your partner like a true partner year round? And as a result, your partners better be treating you that way as well. Uh, so, you know, I think leveraging relationships, you know, whether it's uh, leveraging relationships with your carriers, don't be afraid to go out to bid, even if it's a short term, because I mean, one of the conversations that I have with folks quite often is, you know, they'll say, we don't want to go, we don't want to go out with an RFP because we feel as if we go out to market with a bid, we're basically asking for a rate increase. And it's like, well, what are you paying right now in the spot market? You know, you might be at, you might be getting a rate increase based on what you were paying six months ago, but compared to what you're paying now without any uh, uh, stability, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to just have current rates compared to what you're paying right now on a spot market. So from a tool standpoint, you know, it's a, uh, it's data, it's the partners that you work with. It's really, you know, working with the company to have kind of that robust set of data that you can look at it and really allow that data to, to show you, you know, areas where you are being successful uh, in regards to the market and, and celebrate those successes. But then also where are those areas of opportunity that you should focus your attention on? It's, uh, you know, it kind of always goes back to, you know, how do you eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time? You know, I think that from an emotional standpoint, if you start to look at what's going on in the marketplace right now, it, it can be pretty overwhelming, you know, as far as what do you need to do next? Because all you're seeing is, you know, loads sitting, no trucks on them, and your rates going through the roof and your service going down. So you really need reporting, you need data more than anything, just so you can really understand as far as where it's the best place where you should be taking that bite, which is ultimately going to have the greatest impact to, and give you some successes to start to build some momentum. You know, you said, you said something uh, as part of your response there that uh, leads me perfectly to, to my last question, which is, you know, no, nobody likes surprises, right? And I think that's, we, we learned that back in, I think, 2018 when, you know, all of a sudden CEOs and CFOs became aware of transportation management and, you know, the impact that transportation has on their, uh, on the P&L. And, you know, I, you know, in 2018, every, just about every shipper's, uh, uh, you know, transportation spend was double digits above what they had forecasted or planned for, you know, that year. So, 
you know, as a way to wrap up and as we head into, you know, we're getting closer now to, to 2021. I mean, what should transportation executives be communicating to their CEO, to their CFO in, in terms of what to expect with, with, you know, with transportation in, in the weeks and months to come? Yeah, no, I think, uh, well, I said it, you hit it on the head again. Nobody likes surprises. So, you know, as part of, you know, all of our roles, you know, one of our roles is also as an educator. So you need to understand that, you know, maybe the CEO of your company, the CFO, uh, they may not necessarily understand, you know, the ins and the outs of transportation and how there's so much that can go into it. And once that market starts to turn, you know, it's hard to get out of the way. So I think the more that, you know, that, uh, uh, that transportation executive can be working with their carriers, kind of understanding from them what they're hearing, what they're seeing, uh, you know, talk to many of them because you don't want to talk to one and hear that, you know, the, you know, cause we've all heard, had the conversations before where the world is coming to an end and, you know, the rates are going to go through the roof, but then you, it doesn't happen. So I think the more that you can talk with many of your partners and really kind of understand what they're all saying, what they're thinking, and, and then start to pull out some of those consistencies among those conversations and use that information to educate uh, the folks in leadership at your company is important. Um, you know, I'm always, like I said before, I'm always going to go back to data. So it's really understanding where, what the trends are and how are you doing in comparison to those trends. So right now, and I'm making up numbers right now, let's say the market, uh, you know, uh, you know, on average, the rates are up 10%. Okay. Well, you look at your rates, your rates are up, but maybe they're up five or 6%. You're doing better than the market. And maybe those are areas where you should celebrate those. So, you know, be able to provide some of that context, I think, is really going to help to educate the organization so they have the information uh, to, you know, to inform or educate those that they need to inform. So I think understanding how you're doing to market and, and really taking that approach year round. This isn't something you should only be doing now when the market starts to tighten. You know, you should be doing it year round. So in the, you know, if the market's soft, understand the data, understand, you know, how you're doing compared to the market and maybe use it to help some, maybe there's some opportunities that you're not taking advantage of or some areas that you could be doing better. But in this market, if you're beating the market right now, celebrate those successes, share that internally, try to find why it is that you're beating the market and, uh, and then try to replicate those, you know, further. So maybe it's because of the relationships you have with your par uh, partners. Maybe it's because of the drop lots that you have or the flexibility that you have with regards to ship dates in order to get that key carrier on it. And I think the more that, you know, that trans executive can share the data, show how they compare to the market, show where some of the wins have been and in those instances where maybe some of those wins are because of the flexibility that they have or some of the uh the issues that they're having is because of some of the flexibilities that they don't have you know that's the way to then really get that executive leadership to really start to maybe push other departments or other areas as well so everybody starts to see how working together internally can really make you know it, it can make a big difference you know overall so I think there's a lot of opportunity there um, that, uh, uh, that, you know, by just sharing that information and being proactive, you know, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, we, we say a lot internally and I'm sure others say as well as, you know, you know, 
you know, bad, new, bad news doesn't get better with age. So the more that, uh, uh, that you can start to, you know, share that information, kind of provide that, hey, in the horizon, there might be this blip, but we just wanted to bring it to your attention. Uh, and this is what I'm going to do in the meantime to try to combat some of these issues. The more that someone can really just communicate, um, use that data and get ahead of it um, will only help the organization and help them personally. Cause you know, the one thing you never want to see and you know, what we tend to see is when the market starts to tighten, you then you start to see where those trans managers or those trans executives, they're, they're no longer at the company. And you know, and, and, and that may be a good move for the company, but it may not be because in a lot of ways you're starting all over again with, uh, with your philosophies and the relationships that you have with your partners, et cetera. So how much of that could be averted if uh, you know, from the get go, you're communicating these potential issues with, uh, with your executive leadership. You know, a lot of great, uh, a lot of great points there. I think we, we've come full circle. I mean, we, we talked about the importance of data and understanding the data and, and even getting beyond the numbers, right? So it's the numbers is one thing, but really understanding why those numbers are that way, right? Yep. What are the process uh, uh, enablers to that? Or what are the, what are the process uh, inhibitors, you know, to that? Um, so really getting into the numbers into the data and understand why those numbers are that way. And then communication and collaboration, both internally as well as with the, the partners. And, and, and that's laid between the data and those relationships and communication really lays a strong foundation to really navigate, you know, whatever the future may hold. And obviously technology has a role here as well in terms of helping to automate and streamline, you know, a lot of the actions that, that you ultimately take in all of this. Uh, so, you know, Tim, I, I'm sure that if we were to speak in, you know, three months time, six months time, um, most of what we, we've talked about today will always hold true, but I'm sure that we'll find ourselves in a very different market and there might be new things that we will be talking about there. Yep. Just, that's just the nature of this, uh, this market. But again, you provided some great insights and some great advice. So thank you for making the time to be with us today. Yeah, no, and always, I mean, I've done, we've done this before together and I always appreciate the time. Um, you know, to, to come to speak uh, to you as someone from Blue Jay, just to kind of let everybody know what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're thinking. And, uh, you know, we, if we can ever help, you let us know. Great. And uh, I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Blue Jay website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Tim, you can post it there. And I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, Absolutely. thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, Andrew.